All right, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. Welcome to the, all of you that are in this uh, room with me right here. And those of you who are uh, watching online, and you're watching at one of the other sites or venues. And you know what? Uh, welcome to people that are brand new uh, to Wisconsin. If you're brand new to Wisconsin and you've moved here uh, just recently to Madison, let me give you uh, a little tip. This is normal weather for Wisconsin right here. So this is, it's all like perfectly. Was yesterday a killer day or what? I mean, it's just like, love it, man. This is so fantastic. So you're getting out, everybody's getting out. If you get out a lot, you're seeing all around town, you're seeing the same kind of signs everywhere. Same kind of signs. Like if you go down the road to Quick Trip, you'll see uh, this sign, now hiring. If you go to Culver's, like I go to Culver's way too much, you'll see a sign uh, like this at Culver's. Now hiring adults, $19 an hour. Just down the road from Culver's is another sign at Pizza Hut that says, join our team, jobspizzahut.com. If you go shopping at a grocery store, pretty much any grocery store, here's Metcalf's. If you go to Metcalf's, you see this sign. They're hiring all kinds of places, cake decorator, Utility clerk, cashiers, grocery stockers, deli clerk, floral department manager, meat counter clerk. Yeah, it's like I'm working for Metcalf right now. I mean, they're hiring all, people are just hiring and hiring and hiring. I know another organization that's hiring. This organization right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we're, we're hiring. So if you're interested in working uh, at Blackhawk Church, not a bad place to work, uh, just go to our uh, website, click about, and then go down to join our team. And I think there are six or seven uh, different kind of positions that were posted uh, right now. So this is happening all over uh, Madison, all over, Dane, all over Wisconsin. Heck, it's happening all over the United States, and it's happening really all over the world. We're living through um, a shift right now, a great reset. You don't have to be a PhD in economics to understand that the pandemic affected everything. And there's this great rethinking about work just in general. It's a huge shift in our culture. Here's a journalist from The Atlantic. He writes this. The basic terms of employment are undergoing a great reset. The pandemic thrust many families into a homebound lifestyle reminiscent of the 19th century agrarian economy. But this time with screens galore and online delivery, more families today work at home, cook at home, care for kids at home, entertain themselves at home, and even school their kids at home. People are rethinking work everywhere, everywhere. The days of working for one company for 40 years to retire to get a gold watch, those days are long gone. People are rethinking, why am I working here? Why do I have to drive there to go to work? Why can't I work at home? And so this great resignation, and it's really global, is taking place. It's not because people are lazy. People want to work, but they're rethinking why do I have to work there? Let me rethink what I'm doing with work. So because that's happening in our culture, 
the teaching team decided, you know what? Why don't we just move right towards that? Just move right towards that. So that we can think biblically about the whole concept of work. Like, what does the Bible have to say about work? We're Christ followers at Black Hawk Church. We're interested in what the Bible has to say about what's happening in our culture. And this big, this is a huge reshift. This is like the, you know, when the car was invented in the 20th century or when the internet came about in the 1990s. I mean, it's just, it's a huge shift. It's ne- we're not going back, you guys. It's a completely different world. And we need to think differently about work. So we're calling uh, this series uh, re Uh, kind of work, rework, and then today's talk, we're calling rethinking work. So we're just like rethink work. But before we uh, get into this series and I get into this talk anymore, let me kind of directly address a few elephants uh, in the room. And uh, the first elephant in the room might be something like this. What can a bunch of pastors tell me about working in the real world? Right? Who's thinking that? Yeah, they, they, oh, yeah, I'm thinking that. So you guys are your pastors. You work in church world. You don't, know, you don't understand working in the real world. I'm not going to listen to you guys. So I totally, totally get that. So uh, trust me, everybody on the teaching team has worked outside of church world. So uh, we have worked jobs. I definitely have worked outside of church world. Uh, I've worked all kinds of different. One of the jobs I used to have was I used to work for UPS. You guys still... Whenever I see one of those brown UPS trucks, my back still gets sore. Still gets sore. I used to load those things. So we get, we get it. Uh, we know there's a pushback. And um, you may not know this, but one of the pastors on our staff actually was very successful uh, in uh, the job that he had in the food industry. He went to Stanford University, got his master's to help him. Have you ever heard of Stanford? That's kind of a good school. He had his master's at Stanford to help him in his job. He's very successful in what he was actually doing. But then one thing led to another, and he moved from very successful career uh, into pastoral ministries. So who am I talking about? Pastor Charles Wong. Pastor Charles Wong is part of a very successful uh, family business uh, in Taiwan. And uh, in a few weeks, uh, Pastor Matt Metzger will uh, interview Pastor Charles, very interesting uh, guy. And he'll interview him and talk about what was in his mind as he made this shift, help us think differently about work. Another elephant in the room might be this. Hey, Pastor Chris, didn't you retire from work? <laughs> like, you have so much energy because you're like, you retired. I'm not going to listen to you talk about work. Okay. That's probably the, the, the most common question I get uh, from my Blackhawk friends is, uh, how do you like retirement? So 353 days ago, if anybody is still counting, I did actually retire from being the senior pastor at Blackhawk Church. I retired from that. And listen, this honestly, there's not one day that goes by where I go, man, I wish I was the senior pastor again. <laughs> that never happens. Never happens. Matt Metzger is the new senior pastor. Well, he's been a senior pastor for a year now. Praise God for Matt Metzger, man. I got to pray for that guy every day. I'm so glad he has that uh, job. 
So what I did not retire, I retired from that job. But I didn't retire from ministry. Everybody look up here. (laughs) I'm working right now, okay? Like I'm working right now. So here's what happened. Matt hired me, but I have a different job now. So I used to get that many emails. Now I get like that many emails, you know? I'm on like no man, I do no management. Nobody reports to me. Praise, praise, praise Jesus for that. I'm telling you, man, personnel and business, that's the hardest part of the job. So now I don't do any of that stuff. So what do I do now? Well, I'm doing this now. I'm preaching. I preach about once a month or something like that. I help the younger preachers on staff and kind of mentor them. Matt has freed me up to help other churches also. So the last eight weeks, I've been in three different churches in three different states helping them with different kinds of things, whatever they want me to help them with. So the church has freed me up uh, to do that kind of thing. In retrospect, we probably shouldn't have used the word retire when it came to me because in our culture, when someone says the word retire, they think of golf. (laughs) And that's not me, that's Daniel Owen, he golfs. Or Florida, and we didn't move to Florida. So I did retire from that job but I got another job and I'm still working. Probably the biggest elephant in the room though right now is this. Why are we talking about work at church? What what does work and faith have to do? Pastor Chris, if you knew my job situation, there's no way I can bring my faith into my work. Pastor Chris, if I brought my faith into my job, I'd get fired. So that's a common response we get from Blackhawkers. So let me just push back a little bit. We have to be careful that we don't compartmentalize our faith. And so it's just like over here on Sunday, and then our life is completely different the rest of the week. How are you guys doing with that? Here's compartmentalized faith. It goes like this. The Christian life is what we do on Sundays. Normal life is Monday through Saturday. So we just kind of turn on the Jesus thing on Sunday, and then we turn it off Monday through Saturday. The Christian life is about talking to people about Jesus, getting people saved. It's not about how we live our lives in the work world. Nothing wrong with talking to people about Jesus and helping people come to faith in Christ. Absolutely. But there's more to being a Christ follower than helping people come to faith in Christ. It's about living our life the way Christ would want us to live our life all the time, 24-7. If you want to serve God, you must quit your job and go into full-time Christian ministry, become a missionary or work for a church. So we just plain don't believe that at Blackhawk Church. We just plain don't believe that. Everyone is working for the Lord No matter what you do, the Bible makes that real clear, and we're going to get to that later on in today's talk. But we have to be careful that we don't compartmentalize, you know, our faith, and we say, well, this is the Christian part of me, and then this is the real part of me. So let's be careful not to do that, and part of that is what we're doing in this series, is to help us to rethink our work and how our faith in Christ and what the Bible has to say can actually affect us 
in our ordinary jobs. So that's where we're going. We rethink. So if you're going to grab the Bible and you're going to rethink work, where would be a good place to start? Well, let's start at the beginning. That's a good place. So take your Bibles and turn to uh, the first page. Genesis 1-1, first page. When I said first page, how come some of you laughed? I'm not sure. <laughs> Genesis 1-1, there we go. Easy, easy place to find. It's on the screen if you want to look at it there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, like you, there's a lot of important verses in the Bible. In my vote, this is probably one of the most important ones right here. And we do a whole series on this verse. In fact, in, uh, in the fall of the year, uh, we're going to launch a new series, and we'll be talking about this verse and other verses in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 for several weeks, because basically, y- you understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then the rest of the Bible just falls into place. It's a huge, huge verse right here. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. So this creating work that God was doing, what's that called in the Bible? Well, the biblical author actually calls it, what do you think? Yeah, when I do this, you can participate in the message. (laughs) The biblical author calls it, yeah, in the next chapter, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day... God had finished the work, Hebrew Malika, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his Malika. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the Malika of creating that he had done. There's two words in the Hebrew language for work that are very common. This is one of them, Malika, which work. It's what you're going to be doing tomorrow. You go to Malika. It's what you are doing in the garden. You're Malika. It's a normal, ordinary word for work. And I just think this is incredible. Because um, it's, it's like the, the author is basically saying the extraordinary thing that God did when he created everything, that's extraordinary, unbelievable. And to describe it, they take the ordinary word to describe the creative work of God. It's like, what? So you could actually retranslate Genesis 1-1, and you could retranslate it like this. In the beginning, God worked. He created the heavens and the earth. This is the Dolson uninspired version. (laughs) In the beginning, God, he worked. It's a creative work. This 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 is what God does. God God is a worker, and he works. One of the things that God did when he was working was that he created human beings. We see that in Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
There's some serious principles in those verses right there. Unbelievable. And again, in the fall, we're going to unpack more of those. There's just tons. There's a whole series right here. So many things. Fantastic. But I want to draw your attention to the first job description humans ever had. That's in the, in the yellow. Fill the earth and subdue it. It's continuing this idea that God, God, God is a worker. He's a worker. And we, we image him when we work. Does that make sense? I think I have a, a slide that says that. When we work, we are imaging God. God's a worker. How are you guys doing with this? I see a fog in the, in the seats. Are you guys okay with this? I know this, I'm doing something that's like, what, 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 what? God is a worker. He created us to work. We image him when we are working. So you continue in the biblical creation narrative. And you look at chapter 2, verse 15, and you see this. Yahweh God, the Lord God, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work. Did you, not, when I do this, you can, to what? Now, this is not Malika. It's the other common word for work, abad, to work it and take care of it. Abad is to till the soil or to work. It, it's also an interesting word because um, when uh, the work in the temple is described, what the priests are actually doing in the temple as they prepare sacrifices and as they uh, put the bread on the table and do different kind of things. In, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, what the priests are actually doing there is, is use this word, abad. They're abiding. So uh, many biblical scholars, and I kind of follow them, believe that uh, Genesis 1 and 2 is really, uh, God is creating a sacred space, this whole sacred space, and he is the center of this sacred space. What's, what's, what's magnificent about this sacred space, this Garden of Eden, is not that it looks like a national park and it's beautiful weather and fantastic and all that kind of stuff, which is true, but the amazing thing of it is God's presence. There's no hindrance to God's presence. You just come and go in and out of his presence. It's like a temple. And so this abad, so that you take the human beings, and they were called human being and life. That's what Adam means. Adam means human being, and Eve means life. There you go. I mean, that's just got to tell you something about the story right there. And he takes these human beings to abad in this space. John Walton, a friend of mine, says this. Since the garden is being portrayed as secret space, it is likely that the tasks given to Adam are of a priestly nature, that is, caring for sacred space. In ancient thinking, caring for sacred space was a way of upholding creation by preserving order. Chaos was held at bay. Let's go back to Genesis uh, 2.15. Genesis 2, and the Lord God, Yahweh, God, whenever it's all caps, L-O-R-D, it's the personal name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work, abide it, and take care of it. So what, 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 what does that mean? What, what, what would we actually be doing? So it's like perfect. Everything's just exactly like you can imagine. I mean, it's like, a, what, what, what's he actually doing when he's working? 
Well, he's picking fruit, you know? He's like tending to things. It's like making sure that, you know, the animals are where they're supposed to be. Maybe helping animals get born. You know, just think, there's nothing wrong with the world. And he's, he's, he's a body. He's, he's working at it. It's like his priestly job. This is like what he is doing. He's tending to things. He's taking care of things. It's, it has nothing to do with what he, like some kind of paycheck. You got that? It has nothing to do with pay. I mean, somebody shake your head like this. It has nothing to do with status, nothing to do with hierarchy, nothing to do with status. He's, he's just tending, he's just working, he's tending to things. It has nothing to do with his status. He's just tending to this wonderful environment. He's, he's like, he's working at. He's tending to it. He's enjoying being with God. So a summary of all this might be something like this. God works. Should have a, God works. Humans are made in his image. Therefore, we work. Another way of saying that would be saying this. When we work, we are imaging God. Another way of saying that would be the Garden of Eden wasn't a vacation. It was work. <laughs> we laugh right? Like right away we go like oh, whoever wrote that needs to have a vacation because you can't even the Garden of Eden is work yeah that's the idea whenever we think biblically about work we have to start in the beginning and what was work it's not about pay it's not about status it's about tending to things serving the creator serving the environment working this is just sounds like religious mumbo jumbo it just doesn't sound like the real world at all we have that attitude because um, we don't live in the garden of Eden right because something happened in Genesis chapter 3 so let's look at the biblical uh, storyline Genesis 1 and 2 the whole world is good garden of Eden Genesis 3 the whole world is messed up. We don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. The serpent appears and he uh, has a conversation uh, with the woman and he persuades her to take of this particular tree and the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then she says to Adam, hey, come over here, try this. And he doesn't say anything. He takes it and he eats it. How are how you, how you guys doing? Do we need to look at the verses for that? Do you know this story? How many of you know that story? Shake your head. You know this story. Okay, good. So if you know the story, what does the text say is the very first thing that happens after they disobey God? It's the very first thing. What happens? First thing. Oh, I thought you said you knew the story. Look at the text. The text says this. Whoa. Very first thing. Their eyes are opened. Whoa. Some scholars uh, look at that and they say, uh, this is now humans become self-conscious. 
Before this, human beings were other conscious. Other conscious. Conscious of God, conscious of creation, conscious of the birds, conscious of the plants. Human beings live for other, 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 other. Live for you, live for him, live for us. But after sin happens, foop, foop. It's about me. It's about me. This is, a, this is a huge, somebody say amen. amen. What do you think of me now? What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you think of me? So God, whoop. I cover up. Because what you think of me, that's important. First thing happens after the fall. Theologians refer to this as the fall. Uh, the Bible doesn't call it that. It just basically says their eyes were open. <laughs> And then all kinds of bad things take place after that. And as the narrative goes, then God responds to that, to their sin. And so we read in the narrative, Genesis 3, 17. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will turn. Everything changed. Once the fall took place, work got messed up in all kinds of different ways. Let's look at this. Work becomes, work becomes hard. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Now work's hard. Now, I've been a pastor here for a long, long time, and I look out in the audience right now. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I see a lot of people that I know. I know you, and I know what you do for a living. <laughs> that sounds creepy, doesn't it? <laughs> But I know you. I know I can see. I I know where many of you work, and your jobs are hard. It's hard work. I was talking to a Blackhawker the other day uh, at a gathering, and uh, he's a police officer. And I said, "How's it going?" And he goes, "Oh, it's fine, Pastor Chris." I said, "Be honest." <laughs> and he goes, "Well, you know, uh, I've been working nights, and I'm about ready to shift to days, and I can't wait to get on days anymore." Because uh, nights is hard. And he looks at me and goes, Pastor Chris, nothing good happens after midnight. And he sees, even when I see uh, really law-abiding people after midnight, they're having a bad night. But he says, my faith is keeping me going. I talked to a woman who's a school teacher in a public school. Uh, and uh, she teaches in a high school near here. How's it going? She's taught for 12 years. She said, this is the hardest year. It's the hardest year. Why? Well, the pandemic, you know, happened, and so we had to do everything, you know, online, and then kids, you know, come back, and she says, you know, when they're home, it's just, they're, she, she called it, they lose resiliency skills, you know, how to work with other people when things don't go well. And then she says, you know, with the weapons threats that are happening, and of course, there's a, uh, we had to evacuate the building because of a bomb threat. She said, Pastor Chris, I was trained to be a teacher, not how to handle trauma, Kids are scared when they come to school. It's a hard job. 
It's a hard job. Many of you have public-facing jobs, and it's a hard it's a hard job. It's work. It's hard. Those are just two stories of people who don't work in the Garden of Eden. And I'm looking at a lot of people who don't work in the Garden of Eden. It's different now. Second, work's about survival. It's about survival. My father uh, never made it past sixth grade. He was born in 1920, almost died of diphtheria, and he worked through the Depression. And then uh, he got a job in Indianapolis, Indiana, on the west side of town at Allison's Transmission Company. He worked for, a, back then it used to be part of General Motors. He was so thankful for his job, but my, my dad's job, well, it doesn't exist anymore. A robot does his job. His job was extremely boring because he never had any education. He was just thankful to have a job. For my father, his work was all about survival. I just got to survive. I got to feed my family, take care of my kids. For many of us, that's what work is. We're not, we're not, we're not doing something that we've aspired to. We're not, we're not doing something that really fulfills us. We just need a, we need a paycheck, and we just need to survive. Somebody say amen. amen. That's most of the world's workforce, you guys. Most of the world's workforce. Third, work is frustrating. Yeah. If something can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You're going to work hard, but it, no, no, no fruit there. Not going to work right. It's, it's just it's frustrating. Next one. Work becomes an end in itself. It becomes an end in itself. It's like... Um, now, I'm living for it all the days of your life until you return to the ground. From dust you are, dust you are. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. And I live for work. And for many of us, that becomes like the focus of our entire uh, life and our being. Something's invented. Workship is invented. Workship. So now we don't live to worship, we don't work to work. It's about work. I'm all about work. My identity is about what I do, my work. So we start to judge other people by what they do. We categorize people by if you have certain education, certain, receive a certain amount of money, you're here. Not so much here, like my dad down here, that kind of thing. You categorize people in work. Pastor Tim Keller, pastors of church in Manhattan, wrote this. We believe that Lower status jobs or lower paying work is an assault on our dignity. We divide people into the categories, highly paid in the knowledge class, and then there are those in the service sector. Most of us accept and perpetuate the value judgments that attach to those categories. So people look down on the handyman, dry cleaners, cooks, gardeners, and others who hold jobs in the service sector, service jobs. Sometimes it bleeds over in their own words about themselves. I'm just a waitress, or I'm just a mechanic. My dad used to talk about, I just work in a factory. I just work in a factory. Because of this whole idea of it's, a, of it's, a, it's an end. If I knew what you did and how much money you would get for your job, I, would, I, I know your value. That's the way the world is. It's, it's a broken world. So that's the way the world is. All right, let's close in prayer. Amen.
God help us, this is terrible. <laughs> so it's the biblical narrative. Let's go back to the biblical narrative. It goes like this. Whole world is good. Whole world's messed up. The whole world is going to be redeemed. Somebody say amen. And you see that in the very first chapters of Genesis. So in Genesis 3, uh, we read this. So the Yahweh God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike at his heel. Now, those of us who know something about biblical theology know that he is, at this point, he's talking that the seed of the woman now is going to be who? It's going to be Jesus, and he will crush the serpent's uh, head. So Jesus is born, and when Jesus is born, he's born into a lower class family, right? His stepfather is a, uh, his stepfather is a what? A carpenter. So let's say... Uh, a stool was broken. And you live in um, the Nazareth area. You could take your broken stool to this guy, Jesus of what? Nazareth. So you take the stool to him and say, and he'd get down on his hands and knees, Jesus, the creator of all things. I mean, he could zap it. <laughs> right? He could zap it. But he didn't zap it. What did he do? He'd, he'd, like, he'd like work with it. Well, you look like somebody dropped this. Did you drop this? I mean, and then he'd start working with it. And he, he would, Jesus would work, service sector job. He worked. He worked. Because work, you guys, is good. When we're working, we are imaging God, who is a worker. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus then dies on a cross uh, to, to pay for the sin of all humankind and to uh, start this restoration project called the kingdom. And when we place our faith in Christ and him alone for our salvation, we become a part of this worldwide restoration uh, project and we become a part of this new creation. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So as people who are part of this new creation, we, when we're working our jobs, are actually working for the creator. We think differently than the rest of the world. When Paul is writing to people who live in Colossae, who are actually slaves, they have no choice, no 40-hour work week, no benefits. They don't have an HR team pulling for them. They're slaves. Paul says this, whatever you do, slaves, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. <laughs> Can you imagine being in the class A church, you know, in some house church, some living room, and, and, and somebody reads this letter from Paul. And you're like, you're going like, what? Like, I'm a slave. I got no choices here. No, you're actually not working for that master, actually. You need to think differently. Rethink. You're actually working for the Lord. 
working for Christ. We need to rethink, rethink the work. God is a worker. When we are working, we're imaging God. Rethink it. So that's what we're going to be doing in this series. We're going to be rethinking work. So here's where we're going uh, in the series. This is rethinking work. I'm just, my job today is just to introduce the series. Just get us to go, what, what? Rethinking rest next week, Pastor Michael Napstad. Like, how's, what does rest have to do with work? Rethinking our identity. Pastor Matt Rustin. Matt Rustin used to work here at Blackhawk Church. We launched him. He's now uh, in Kansas City. He works for an organization called Made to Flourish, which is all about rethinking work. Matt's going to be here on July 3rd, and I can't wait for Matt and his wife, Margie, uh, to be back in Madison. And then rethinking joy when Pastor Matt Metzger will be interviewing uh, Pastor Charles Wong, and we'll just start rethinking about the whole idea of work and joy. I love the quote uh, from Annie Dillard. Annie Dillard writes this, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And then this quote, the average person in the U.S. will spend 90,000 hours at work over a lifetime, one-third of their life. Of course, we have to ask ourselves the question, well, what, what is work? What is work? If you're attending to things, you're working. It has nothing to do with your pay. It has nothing to do with your status. If you're attending to things, if you're a student, you're working. If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, you're work, that's work. You're working. If you're a full-time caregiver, you're working. It has nothing to, it's about tending to things. It's about taking care of things. If you're doing these things, you're, it has not, not about a paycheck. It's not about status. What are you tending to? What are you caring for? We're going to be rethinking what you do in these next four weeks. Here's some questions I want to close with. How can I serve God in my work? Whatever you're doing. If you have a public-facing job, well, how can I actually serve God in my work? Do you think about God when you go to work? What does the rhythm of rest and work look like in my life? Am I just a hard charger and never slow down? Or do I have a rhythm of rest? Pastor Michael's message next week will reinforce this idea of rhythm is so important. Next question. How does my identity as a Christ follower affect my work? The people you work with, do they know you're different? Or are you like everybody else in the world? Do they see there's a difference in you? And it's not because like you have a Bible laying on your desk or your workstation. They just know that you think and approach things differently. The last question. How does my work bring good to the world? How does it bring good to the world? How does it bring joy to the world? What am I doing as I'm working for God in my job? that makes a difference in the world. That's where we're going in this series. 
It could be one of the most important series that we do all year long because many of us feel like we are just stuck and we, we separate our faith from our work. And we're here to tell you, stop doing that. Our faith has a lot to do with what we do for a living because God is a worker. When we work, we're actually imaging him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, the various kinds of things that uh, we do. And I'm speaking right now to hundreds uh, and hundreds of people and people that are watching online in all kinds of different places. We're, there's all kinds of different things that we are doing. And a message like this uh, can jar us. And we go, well, what? I'm actually, Monday through Friday, I'm like working for God. Yes, we're working for you. I pray, Father, that you would uh, give us a, a sense of that, that you would help us to uh, stop and reconsider the things that we're actually doing. How can we be about you in our, in our workplace so that when other people look at us, they can see you through the things that we tend to, things that we produce, things that we touch. We thank you, Father, for the power that you give us in our lives to show that we can actually be different. We pray this in Christ's name and for the sake of his reputation. All God's people said.